Thank you for the ears that have been hearing and for the hearts that have been responding. And I pray, Father, as you speak through me, Father, we would once again hear and receive. And, Father, that you would give us the grace to move forward. So we just still ourselves, Lord God. We put away the distractions, the anxieties, the fears, and choose, Father, to sit at your feet and hear your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, I have been um, super excited and super afraid this week because um, I, in my preparation, I, had, I must have had eight pages of notes and I felt that God was saying to me, you prepare your heart, I'll prepare the message. And so I just ended up dumping all of that and committed to trusting what God wanted to do here and now through me. So all I've got is a bunch of scriptures that I felt led to make a copy of and a bunch of promises from God. That's it. No uh, three-point sermon or eloquence of speech, just a raw, hopefully obedient heart to what God wants to say today. So I don't really know where it's going to finish or even when. (laughs) Um, But I want to speak with humility and I want to speak with authenticity. My sense from God is this, that over the last month since the season of prayer, he has been speaking a number of things to us. And for those with their ears open, this is what we've been hearing We've been hearing this wake up, this rise up, this gird up and go ye. We've been hearing that things cannot stay the same. Jimmy's message a couple of weeks back, business as usual, really? Profoundly deep and prophetic. We cannot do the things that we have been doing and expect different results. Rob, I listened to Rob's message. I was in Nottingham last week preaching at my mum's church, which I I really enjoyed. Fantastic. But I listened to Rob's message on um, Sunday night. And one of the things that he says, I'm quoting, this just hit me like a, a sack of potatoes. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but anyway, you know what I mean. Um... He said, frustration in the church is because there is so little of the spirit-empowered life and many have turned from spirit-inspired living to well-intentioned living. It happens ever so subtly until suddenly we see that we've gone around the block again and have no fruit for our labor. And he also said we must move from being self-propelled to God-led, from self-reliance to God-dependence. And, yeah, slap around the face. I've been sensing from God for a while now that we've forgotten how to take a step of faith. That we haven't done a faith exploit as a body for goodness knows how long. And we are living within our own means, within our own gifting, within our own abilities, within our own 
comfort zones and have forgotten what it means to actually take God by the hand and be led into an unfamiliar place, a place where we are afraid, genuinely, and where we are uncomfortable, and where it's God or bust. And my heart, everything within me is saying, we must rise up and take a step of faith. We must once again learn how to rely upon the Holy Spirit. And by reliance, I'm not talking about that, you know, we ask God for permission to go to the toilet or something daft like that. I'm talking about this deep desire to walk daily with God and be responsive to his nudges and his leadings in everyday life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that we will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we will do meetings. No, it says we will be witnesses. So there has to be something alive within us that we are witnessing about. There has to be a living dimension of the power of the Holy Spirit by which we are obviously witnesses. We have to have witnessed something to witness to it, right? The Eiffel Tower is a wonderful structure. And I've seen pictures of it. But to witness of the, 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 the Eiffel Tower's magnificence, I really need to see it in the flesh, right? I need to see it with my eyes, right? And I think that to use that analogy for us as Christians, we have a theoretical Christianity, but we've forgotten what it means to have an experiential Christianity. A Christianity that is not based upon words on a page, but upon a spirit-empowered encounter daily with God. Can you say amen? Now, I don't know about you, but church without the Holy Spirit is boring. I am bored to tears without the Holy Spirit. I am fed up of the routines. I am fed up of the sacrifices. I am fed up of all the rotors. I am so rotored out, I just want to burn church sweets sometimes. I can't because it's on the cloud somewhere and you geeks will hear me on this one. But do you, do you hear my heart here? That we, we, have, we know how to do church, and we can do church really well. But if we have not experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's all in vain. It's pointless. We may as well go and play golf or go for a bike ride on a Sunday morning. We have power to be witnesses. But we need to know that we have to experience something to witness. And there has to be a God cry in our hearts that takes us from being spectators to being participators with the Holy Spirit. I like watching golf. 
but I like playing it more. I like watching football, but I like playing it more. Sadly, my legs don't want to react the way that they used to. But there's a, there's a difference between watching somebody else do something and be something and, and actually doing that and being that yourself. Can you hear me? I don't want to watch somebody taking steps of faith and doing great exploits in God and celebrate that and then disqualify myself by being afraid to do the same. And I am convinced that we are gripped by fear in this. We have made the world too big and our God too small. I don't know about you, but I serve an awesome God. And I serve an awesome God to the extent where... I know that I cannot fulfill in my own strength that which he's got for me. And I know that I, you can't fulfill that which he's got for you in your own strength either. And we do Christianity without the dimension of the Spirit's power and wonder why it is that the Spirit's power is not present. Because we never put ourselves in a position where we need it. It doesn't take an anointing to do a rotor. It doesn't take an anointing to make a cup of tea. But it does take an anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to do that which he is asking you to do. Can we hear that? Can we hear that God is asking each one of us to take a step of faith and respond to him? So whether you're young, old or somewhere in between, God's not finished with you. God's not parked your gifting you may have, but God hasn't. And God is not saying to you, um, do the possible. He's not. If that's what church is about, doing the possible, we've missed the whole point. Why do we need the Holy Spirit if we're going to do it all ourselves? No, we don't. God is calling each one of us to do the impossible. Ephesians chapter 3. Turn there with me, please. I want to remind you of this because I think we forgot. Seriously. From verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen to this. Now to him who is able to do moderately above what you can think. No. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to the power in somebody else. No. 
according to the power that works in us. Are you us? Am I us? So where's the Holy Spirit's power going to be? In? And what can he do through us? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Now, you know what? I can ask or think quite a lot. And I know that you can as well. So there has to be something that's beyond all of that that we are reaching out in faith for. But that power is on the inside of us. Now, sometimes I think that we suffer from a mix of old and new covenant mentalities. We think about revival as something that God must do if only we will coerce him and beg him and plead with him enough. We put all the onus upon God to do something. But God has filled us with his Holy Spirit and has said that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. The difference between the old and the new covenant is that in the old covenant, we made promises to God. I will follow you with all my heart. We will do this, said Israel. We will do that. And they broke those promises time and time and time and time again. In the new covenant, God makes promises with us. And you know what? I have far more confidence in God not breaking his promise than I do in us not breaking ours. So revival has to be seen differently. Revival is when the Holy Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit, when I allow the Holy Spirit to rise up within us as rivers of living water and be witnesses into this world and change the world by the stuff that's happening on the inside of us. It doesn't come from outside, God pouring this big jug. It comes from within, God filling us, releasing us to be empowered witnesses. When we are revived, we revive other people. What did Jesus say? He said, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you living water. But I think what we offer sometimes is sand. We offer dry, dusty sand. Because we ourselves have forgotten how to drink from that living water that fills us to overflowing. Two Peter chapter one. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life. And godliness. God's not withholding. He's never been like that. God is not a stingy God who's waiting for a certain amount of praise before he releases the glory. Or a certain amount of understanding before he releases the glory. The glory is in you because Christ is in you. The hope of that glory. Amen. We have everything that we need already invested by the Holy Spirit on the inside. It's already there. The problem is we've forgotten how to engage with that. We've gone into our own power, our own ability, and completely forgotten what it means to step beyond that by faith into exploits that actually bring God glory. (laughs) And it's time for us to wake up. 
John 7, 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything that we need, he's already provided. Isn't that a song? All that we need is already... I can't remember. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. I believe in the promises of God. These are the promises that are of God that I found in Scripture. I'm going to read them out to you. The I wills of God. We have to get from if only we to God says. So we, again, in our revival mentality, we think of things like, if only we're holy enough, then God would do this. Or if only we're we're passionate enough, then God would do this. Or if only we have the best worship teams, then God would do this. Or if only we're, um, I don't know, uh, justifying the cause of Israel, then God will do this. Or whatever it is that your if only we is, we have to see that transformed to understand that God has promised that he will do stuff. So the I wills of God, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Jeremiah 32, 40. I will never stop doing good to you. Jeremiah 32, 40 still. I will bless you. In fact, you can come and get the scriptures afterwards, yeah? I will be your God and you will be my people. I will have compassion on you. I will forgive your wickedness. I will remember your sins no more. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you. I will save you. I will not forget you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and the flames. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field. I will rescue you from every attack and bring you safely to my heavenly kingdom. I will never cast you out. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never blot out your name from the book of life and I will raise you up in the last day. They're the I will promises of God. He is faithful to complete those promises. (laughs) He really is. So no longer is it I will, but he will. We have to get to the place where we are understanding that God's work within, within salvation itself is a finished work. He has done everything. And now our job is to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit's leanings and unctions by faith. There's a vast difference between knowing that God is good because the scriptures tell us and knowing that God is good because you've experienced the goodness of God. There is a vast difference between saying 
God loves me because the Bible tells me so, to knowing that God loves you because you've experienced the love and the power of God in your own being. We have to get to that place, church. We have to get to that place where we are starting to live once again out of the experiences of being with God and being filled by God, then going out and reaching out to others, touching them with the power of God that God has already placed in our own lives. Because to think that somehow revival is God's job and it's all about God. If you think like that, then it just justifies us sitting on our hands doing nothing. So the world goes to hell while we wait for God to do this thing that he's already done within us. What are we waiting for exactly? Do we need permission to be witnesses? No. We've got the great commission, haven't we? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What other permission do we need, really? Now, God may give you the way to do that. God may inspire you creatively to do that. And we need to be listening about how that might be for us as a fellowship. But that call and that commission is there. We don't need permission to love our neighbor. We don't need a call and an unction from God. Love your neighbor. You need to get on with loving your neighbor. See, what I see is this. We go to revival meetings, but don't actually know the names of the neighbors that we live next to. If we don't know their names, how can we know their pain? How can we know what their needs are? How can we be praying for them? We have to wake up, folks. We cannot keep doing this. We cannot keep doing church and letting the world die. There's just something in me that says no to that. There is something in me that says no to this. And I hope there's something in you that says no to that too. Now, we may not all be evangelists. We may not all be preachers. We may not all be whatever. But we're all gifted. And we're all called. And we're all filled. So do that which you feel led to do. It might be as simple as just, just ring that person. Just go around and take them a gift. You may be on the streets and you just get a sense that there's somebody that's hurting over there. Everything in you wants to walk the other way and cross the road like this, the, that the Jews did in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But you just know that there's a nagging on the inside. You know, that's the Holy Spirit. Do what he's asking you to do. If we can begin to live like this, this place is going to be transformed because we're going to be transformed people with a transforming God. Are we not? I'll tell you what, there's that, that, at the intersection of faith, there's, a, there's an excitement and there's a fear and it's both are meant to be there. 
Both are meant to be there. Taking a genuine step of faith should never be comfortable as if, oh, yes, so easy. I'll do that every day of the week. There should be fear and trembling associated with a genuine step of faith. Now, next Saturday, when we're out on those streets, that is uncomfortable for me. I do not like doing that type of stuff. But I'm going to do it anyway because I want to incline my ear to God and allow him to use me in whatever shape he wants to. And I hope that he'll do the same with you too. And you know what? We may get it totally wrong, but I don't think that there's anything wrong in offering to pray for somebody, genuinely wanting to meet them in their moment of need. Is there? I can't think of any better way to show love to a person to say, you know what, can I pray for you? Really? So I'm going to do that. That is my step of faith next Saturday. And I'm asking God for a step of faith every single day. Every day. I don't want to go to bed without taking some step of faith and moving beyond myself into something of God. Can I ask that you do the same? Please? Pinky promise? I want our worship to go beyond our abilities. I do. I want our preaching to go beyond our abilities. I want our ministering to go beyond our abilities. I want our fellowship to go beyond our abilities. I want the love that we have for one another to go beyond our abilities and reach into the ability of God. I think that's it. Can we pray? Father, you want to take us beyond ourselves. Give us the grace to be able to do that. The empowering presence of God in grace to be able to do that. To say yes when normally we would say no. Father, we all desire for this place to be changed, to be transformed, to be truly led of your spirit. And your word tells us that those that are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Father, I pray that that would be the reality that we testify of week in and week out. That the exploits that you do within us, Lord, would so thrill us when we see the fruit. And that we would not keep going around in circles wondering why our well-intentioned living produces no fruit. So Father, we ask that you would change our hearts. Do only that which you can. We offer ourselves, we say, here we are, Lord. Use us. We say, here we are, Lord. And we choose to sit at your feet. But Lord, that transforming grace and presence of God, I pray that you would do that within us and that we would never be the same again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.